we're intentionally going out and trying to find young people who are already considering themselves dead. And we're picking them up and we're trying to carry them to the foot of the cross so that Jesus can show them that life, that the life they've been given or the life that they maybe regretfully have been given is incredibly worth living. And I see ourselves as the people who are just picking up these young babies off the street and getting them to a place of new life. This episode was recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Some aspects discussed may not be relevant in our current context, but we hope this can still spur discussion and provide content in this difficult time. As always, you can visit ptc.sh slash talk to someone to find support from any of our online mentors. Welcome to Undiscussed. I'm Caroline. And I'm Eric. And we talk about things that Christians should talk about, but often don't. And today we're actually joined by two wonderful guests, Nick and Mark. Nick, do you want to just say hey? Hey. Oh, perfect. <laughs> there you go. Is that no? No, I, that's totally fine. Keep it in. We're going to be blessed with his bass, yes. sultry tones today <laughs> in the mic on, yeah. the, on, the, on the Sure 7Bs here. Nick is very excited about the microphones that yes. we're using. Yep. And uh, we're also joined by Mark here as well, too. Mm-hmm. Hi. How are you doing, Mark? Not too bad. Yourself? Great. Yeah, and we learned earlier in studio that Mark had a nice bowl of oatmeal this morning, so he's mm-hmm. up and ready to go, for sure. Because <laughs> yep. we've got a doozy of a topic today. We are talking about suicide. Mm-hmm. And these guys are from a suicide prevention project called Hashtag Hope. Before we get into Hashtag Hope, like who are they? Like mm-hmm. who is Nick and Mark? Beyond the base and the oatmeal. Wow. Oh, you want, okay. nicknames. Go ahead, Nick. <laughs> My name is Nick. This is the, the voice you're hearing is the voice of mine. Uh, who, who is Nick? Um, what, who am I? I don't know. I've been traveling around for the last five years trying to help people who want to die and try to show them that like life is incredibly worth living. Um, I don't know, I wanna be an artist, I think, but I don't know if I am. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a crisis in myself. I think that's a self-descriptive role. You can yeah. claim it. Yeah, that anytime you express you, you are an artiste, I think, maybe. Um, my voice is kind of bassy, that's something about me I've learned today in these headphones. And uh, yeah, I guess together we're sort of pursuing a world without suicide, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what brought us here. So yeah. Mark, who are you? Uh, my name is Mark. I'm a youth worker with uh, Youth for Christ or Youth Unlimited. And uh, I've also been talking about suicide for about the last five years, sharing my own story, often in a youth uh, context and, and doing some training, uh, teaching people how to walk through a conversation about suicide with uh, with a student or with someone that they know. Um, and uh, it's just been really in the last kind of year that we've partnered up on the Hashtag Hope Project and taking it to of the next level how'd you guys meet college yeah college and then we lived in dorm together a little bit and then you lived in the basement of our house off campus for a couple of months yep i did that harry potter room underneath the stairs oh my gosh that's not a joke (laughs) that actually happened. then it was inherited by a good friend of mine named alistair shout out And he lived. And then another guy named Chris. Yeah, a bunch of people lived under the stairs of that house. <laughs> yep, yep. That's crazy. It's a legacy. Yep. Yeah, wow. They had like little lights and shelves built. Like yep. it really was like a home. Yep. <laughs> they had a mailing address. Did you did you get charged more for the prestige of, of the Harry Potter Man, hole? I wonder if you paid the same. 
I mean, I may it have gotten surprised me. Yeah. But. <laughs> Just the same amount. Yeah. Whatever it was. That's a six hundred dollar space down there. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's really depressing in Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we just uh, started a new like novel series about the saga of the people under the stairs. Under the stairs, yeah. Because that's totally original. <laughs> well, as long as they're not wizards, it's true. It, it's fine. Or of angry uncles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Under the stairs, good times. So, do you want to talk a little bit into what is hashtag hope? How did that get started? Sure. What is your personal connections to it wow. for each of you? Wow. What is uh, origin story? Let's Give do us that. The origin Ooh, story. Crazy. Um, have you heard of Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I I have, sometimes I have frequented. Um, so I was on Twitter, and on Twitter, people just just say sad things, and I was one of those people, um, because I didn't have a place to really put my pain. I think, and I was like, where can I just express it? Where can I just put it? And I was putting it on Twitter, and what you realize is that like millions of other people are doing that at the exact same time, all across the internet, which is essentially the world. And you can search keywords on Twitter, like verbatim, you can just search like, I want to die. And you can find people who have just said that like 30 seconds ago. And so I would start like searching up people who are saying things like I want to kill myself or uh, you know I hate myself or something and start trying to talk to them um, across the world and like other time zones even like language barriers or whatever and I was like wow if I'm gonna continue to keep living or choose to like endure this self hatred or whatever I was in let's at least try to cope with it by helping other people around the world so I started reaching out to people on Twitter like instantly who were expressing this and trying to have long conversations with them. Um, but at the time, Twitter was like half the amount of characters that you could use, which was like, I don't know, 140 or something. And so you couldn't really have a conversation on Twitter. It was really hard or drawn out or really exhausting because it just wasn't the space. Um, so then what I did is I, I was trying to locate the same amount of people, the same type of people on Twitter. And I just started like responding hashtag hope to them instead of being like, Hey, let's talk about, you know, why your parent hates you or like what happened to you today or like something like that rather than counseling, let's just send them like a message. And so at the time it was super trendy just to send a hashtag and I sent hashtag hope. We actually wrote, um, a bit of a script through a function called grease monkey that would search like key phrases on Twitter and auto send hashtag hope to people. So we had this automated bot wow. just like sending out the word hope across the world. Um, and people started following it or responding to it or saying like, thank you, or in a way better way than when I was trying to have conversations with them. And so from that, there, I kind of like made this little brand. Was that humbling that a, that a program <laughs> was getting more responses than, than you? It was, I mean, <laughs> it was crazy that it, that that was the time we were living in, yeah. in like in like late 2012, you know? It was crazy like that. And so, yeah, we just started like saying things with the hashtag hope at the end. And the first one that went big, I just said like, you are not a wasted life. And, you know, I woke up and it had like hundreds of retweets the next day. I'm like, oh, well, that seems to be a thing. Let's do something with this. And I was sort of in the youth men world in Ontario at the time. And so I was lined up to MC a conference called Change Conference. And I was like, let's take this brand to that event. Since I have an excuse, let's just set up a table. 
I made a t-shirt that said, it's okay to not be okay on it. It was like down the side in like horrible font. And I had that at one point. Really? I was one of the official bearers of it. I don't know wow. where it went. You, but... There's probably 40 of those that you had, oh. and you ha maybe had one. Oh gosh, no, yeah. I don't have Limited it. Limited edition. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Megan Cools, my housemate, yeah, who's sure. one of your good friends and hooked me up with that merch. She was probably one of the first few people to even buy the project. I was helping mm -hmm. at her youth group at the time and I got to like express these ideas uh, at that youth group and that was really cool. But anyway, at this conference, I like completely sold out of shirts in like the first half day or something. And I was like, wow, I think we need to do something with this. And that was kind of like the birth of like, I'm going to pursue this. Do you have anything to, to add to that origin <laughs> yeah, story? I, um, you can talk about where it is now even and what you guys are hoping to achieve. Yeah, I'm more of a, a recent addition uh, to Hashtag Hope. When I was working uh, with Youth Unlimited in Cambridge, Ontario, um, I realized that uh, there was a way for me to connect with a lot of the students I was working with um, through talking about my own journey through suicide. A lot of the kids I was working with, I'd say about half of them were probably suicidal at some point uh, while they came through our youth center. And so I just started sharing my story uh, during our drop-in times, and I found that to be a really powerful way to connect with students. Um, and from there, uh, other people heard that I was sharing my story and asked me to come in for their youth group or for college or for something like that. And, and it just kind of took off from there. And, and while I was doing all of this kind of like speaking and training in Southern Ontario, um, I knew Nick was doing kind of very similar stuff. Uh, at the same time, sometimes we'd run into each other at conferences. Um, and I really liked what he was doing. And I'd even like be like, hey, Nick, can I get some merch? I'll give it out or I'll sell it or I'll, I'll do something for you. Like, I'd love to kind of jump on board. And, uh, and then about a year ago, um, we were at Change Conference again. And, uh, and uh, I think Nick had been through a really difficult year of just uh, figuring out how do I make hashtag hope sustainable? How do I make this something that um, I can keep doing and earn a living from? Um, because you were, you were kind of going back and forth from jobs and really burnt out, I think. And, and, uh, and we sat down and I was like, Hey Nick, I haven't seen you much. Like what's going on with hashtag hope. And, uh, and Nick said, well, uh, you know, here's kind of where we're at and we really need to pursue a charitable status in order to continue forward. And, uh, and that just started a, a conversation and for the last year we've been pursuing that putting a board together and, and taking hashtag hope to the next level um, and so that's really been my job is to come alongside and really spearhead the sort of the strategic and administrative advancement of the the corporation of <laughs> hashtag hope um, and uh, it's it's been wild it's been really cool yeah. to just see kind of God's provision and who he's brought into this project in yeah. the last six months yeah, it's been amazing. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, I spent a good chunk of five years starving, eating one meal a day and like sleeping in my car. And then, and to, to have Mark kind of like almost chase me down and be like, dude, we got to do something with this. Let's make it legit. Um, is one crazy, like encouraging beyond belief. But then just in the, just the pursuit of, we're really close to finishing our application right now. And in that mm -hmm. process, to see the the support that's coming from the people we tell that we're doing that is, I, I don't know, remarkable. Is that the mm -hmm. word? Amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. So 
So right now we're pursuing charitable status and Mark is the first official second member of the suicide wow. prevention project known as yeah. hashtag hope. Yeah. So for those who might not know, what does hashtag hope do on a daily basis? Is it still, daily. you know, or on a regular basis, is it still like the Twitter bot? Um, I know you've done some speaking still just to kind of give some insight for some of our listeners who might not have any exposure to you guys before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think of it like a hub of like radiating, um, compelling, hopeful ideas that are trying to like infiltrate the darkness that's in your chest, you know, that's in your mind, you know, like we're basically strategically creating content that is hopefully making you think about yourself a little differently. And I think a lot of people think or or like try to do that as well, but we really are trying to go into these really niche, dark spaces where there's really extreme and real sadness and approach it with comprehension and organize or like organized thought that can take you to a place of hopeful space in yourself. So not just saying like, just smile more or like not just the getting rid of that shallowness and taking depth to the depth or whatever, something like mm-hmm. that. And so, you know, I've just been traveling, speaking and just walking through these open doors of subculture opportunities to speak in like very darkened fringe cultures, niche cultures, um, do a lot of speaking in bars and Mark has been speaking in schools and training everyone in suicide prevention, um, over the past, what, four years yeah, doing that. Like that yeah. Years. Yep. And, and so, I mean, together we're looking to do a whole new thing of what we have been doing, but think of it kind of like a brand with this like radiative nature to it that will go everywhere. It's like, Oh, we have an opportunity to come here. We'll do that. Um, we'll go in, you know, anyways, I'm not going to get into examples, but yeah. So like to boil it down, it's suicide prevention in the name of Jesus. Uh, and sometimes we get to talk about Jesus. Sometimes we don't. Right. Um, so like primarily through the arts, uh, through speaking, through training and through social media outreach. Wow. Nick's response is wow. truly an artist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you can call yourself an we've artist been, now. We've been writing mission statements. Yeah. yeah. It's like you guys so, are trying to apply for an application or something. <laughs> but I also see why it was that when Mark came along, uh, it started to take some organizational shape. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It was very punk rock before. Yeah. And now it's, it's like... It's still punk rock. And now it's like... Yep. Just a bit more It'll be organized. corporate punk rock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great, guys. Yeah. It's, uh, Mark brings a lot of things to my world that I don't have. And maybe I do that to him as well. It's um, funny because I used to think of myself as being fairly artistic. And you especially are. working with you over the last like six months, I'm like, I'm not as artistic oh, as no. I thought I was. Oh, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, you are. You definitely are. I think you just, your brain just allows you to like do paperwork hmm. and mine doesn't. My <laughs> <laughs> brain's like, don't, we're going to burn this. I'm growing in that area. <laughs> <laughs> Before we move on, I'm going to give you all gifts because we were just talking about a brand. So I have stickers for everybody. Aww. And I just, and yeah. everyone listening too. So yeah, if right. you listen to this episode, you, you are getting a gift. <laughs> yeah, getting stickers. You need to there hit Nick up for one of these stickers. So it's great to hear about what you've been doing with hashtag hope. Uh, but I'd like to maybe dive in a bit more to the topic of suicide and uh, maybe you could uh, help our listeners who don't have a lot of experience with that and are not walking through that with someone 
to just um, maybe give us a perspective of the reality that many youth are facing. Well, not just youth, mm. but uh, um, anyone really, anyone mm-hmm. really in this space right now. Yeah. Um, the hardest thing about understanding suicide is that it's really hard to understand it unless you've been there. Wow, um, that was beautiful. I just want to get that up on Mark, a Mark, you're an artist. <laughs> you are an artist, Mark. Yeah, it, it can be difficult to understand because a lot of the times from the outside looking in, um, as with any situation, difficult situation with another person, uh, we tend to look at it from our own perspective and our own needs. So I think often a lot of times we look at someone who is feeling suicidal and either we're angry or we're frustrated or we feel they're being selfish uh, or they're, you know, why doesn't this person just get it? Um, and and the difficult thing for the person that's in that is that all that they feel and all that they're experiencing in that moment is their darkness or their pain. That sort of become their reality. It's very difficult for them to see beyond that and to see past that. Um, and so that's often the one of the hardest things with helping someone walk through a journey of suicide is that they're in this really deep and dark place. They're kind of on the shore of death. And uh, I'm stealing an analogy from my friend Jim Anderson here, but um, people are trying to get to the shore of life and it's not a quick journey. That's a long journey um, from one shore to the other of the ocean. Um, And so, so that's often why suicide can be hard to understand is because from our perspective, uh, we kind of see the hope that that person has, but for that person um, that's in the midst of that darkness, that's kind of all that they see at that moment. And I think it's also important to note that like so many people experience it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I know even like through this conversation, like as someone who my whole life I've dealt with, you know, suicidal thoughts and ideation on and off that laughter and like joking about it is one of my biggest coping methods, which Mm -hmm. some people might be like, that is totally inappropriate. That's unacceptable. But the reality is people experience it totally differently as well too. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is really interesting to see the ways that you guys have kind of touched on that through Instagram, through your kind of social media as well too. Yeah, it's not something that people jump into, even when we talk about mental health in the church, um, to go the extra step and say, okay, let's talk about wanting to die. Um, that's often really uncomfortable for us to do. Um, even even for me as someone who does this on a regular basis, when I'm dealing with this with someone that I care about or love, um, it becomes extraordinarily difficult to do because you don't want to kind of acknowledge that that might be a reality. Yeah, there's a, I don't know what the question that we're circulating right now is, but I think what I kind of want to say is like the approach to suicide is in a helper's perspective or side of the relationship is a denial of self. And you can't put your feelings into someone else's world when they're saying like, I'm thinking about dying. You have to tell yourself, it doesn't matter what you feel or how uncomfortable you feel. You can't force them into a corner of what they should feel and you have to validate what's going on in the situation and in their situation and for me once i kind of tapped into that i don't know formula or or approach i was able to actually people would let their guard down and let me in to their life um and that would probably be like the most effective breakthrough i had in my approach to it let's not 
throw alarms. Let's not pull fire alarms when someone's like, I want to die. Let's say that's, let's, I'll meet you there. Mm-hmm. Let's start there and I'll meet you there. And let's like just look around while we're there. You know, there's a phrase like standing up on rock bottom. If you've made it all the way to the bottom, at least there's solid ground and let's stand there and look around, right? And let's try to understand the room that we're in or the scene or whatever and go, hey, how did we get here? Like, how, how did we get here? What's going on? Oh, this and that or whatever. And then we start to go, oh, I wasn't just forced here. I'm not abandoned here and other people are here too. Whatever that analogy means, but. I think it's really interesting actually in regard to that because I think of some of the training I've done of QPR, suicide prevention, and how, you know, the first one isn't projection or alarms. It's actually just question. Question, mm-hmm. persuade, and refer, and how. Nice. I know, it's like I did training <laughs> for my recall. job for this. <laughs> I know, it was a whole year of my life. But uh, yeah, and how the actual first step is just question of understanding why, how did they get there, what is going through their minds, the symptoms, everything that goes through it. I think one of the things that you touched on, Caroline, that also makes it difficult is that um, it's not a one and done thing. Uh, you you even mentioned like this is something you've you've struggled with for quite a while in your life and um the longevity of the suicidal ideation and and thoughts and the darkness uh makes it a little bit of a different issue than than many others and uh um that can be fatiguing i think for people walking alongside and that can be like i think that that's one aspect that makes it hard. How how have you guys found that? Like, you've been doing this for a while. How how do you not burn out? How mm. like what do you? How are you doing with that? Maybe you are burnt out. Maybe we. <laughs> <laughs> it's a safe place to express that if yeah. you are. Yeah, there's definitely seasons of like just there's a lot going on, and if you're dealing with a couple of friends, like I find for me when it's youth that I'm working with, there's a bit more at least for me an emotional distance between that and a friend um i think part of it too is like having the training and having done a lot of suicide interventions i've seen that it works and so i don't feel as scared in those moments that you know everything's going uh like that everything could go wrong very quickly which it still could um but i think part of it for me has been sort of a releasing of responsibility, especially as someone who's been a youth worker and a youth minister, is that I've often felt like these students are my responsibility. Um, And I had to come to a place where I realized that I couldn't make that decision for someone else to continue to want to live. Um, That the best thing that I could do is come alongside them and grieve with them, that I needed to put some boundaries on that as to like my availability which sounds selfish to say, um, but I think sometimes we end up in this place where it feels good to be wanted and needed. And so instead of doing what's best for this person who's in need by um, helping them expand their community of people who know what's going on and are checking in on them, sometimes the temptation is for me to be everything to that person. Um, And then I'm carrying the full weight of their emotional burden plus my own emotional burden. Um, And that's when I found out that I've burnt out. Um, And so sometimes I try to put some boundaries on things. I try to expand community, but also I have people that I go to 
and like, hey, I just had this conversation with a kid and here's what happened and I'm just kind of wrecked by that right now. Um, and to be able to have that space with a few of my friends that I trust where I can grieve the grief of the student in that trusted relationship. Wow, that is a good word right there. That's I recently have been like really exploring lamenting and so I think that's just such a good like such good advice to have as those healthy boundaries. We are so bad at that in the Western church. Awful. Um, like two thirds of the Psalms are laments. Preach. And <laughs> um, I'll go, uh, just let me go on this little tangent. Um, oh, that totally brings me to my next question of what is the church doing poorly? So feel free all right. to preach and rant. Um, there's this story, there's this book in the Bible called the book of Job. Um, and I don't know why a lot of Christians read it when they're in pain and suffering, because it's a terrible book to read when you're in pain and suffering. Um, it's miserable. Job loses everything, and the next 40 chapters are his friends saying, what did you do wrong that God hates you uh, for? And uh, But the best thing that happens, I think it's in the end of Job chapter 2, um, his friends come alongside of him, and I miss this for the longest time. Um, it says that they sat and they wept with him for a week, that they put on sackcloth and ashes, and in silence they wept with him. Um, and then they opened their mouth, and that wasn't helpful. Um, and, and I think that that is something I'm trying to remind myself of and learn and, and to teach to others is this process of, you know, sometimes the most Christ-like thing we can do for people is to come alongside and weep with them, to just mourn with them. Sometimes there are no words for the pain and the suffering and the hurt that people go through. Sometimes there are no answers. Even God in the book of Job doesn't give Job answers for why he's in the situation he's in. And I think sometimes um, we make that error of trying to come up with reasons for God to defend God, rather than just sticking in that uncomfortable moment and feeling just the weight of the pain and the suffering with that person to let them know they're not alone. Wow. I like how Nick is great. also in awe. It, it is truly awesome to watch Nick enjoying <laughs> <laughs> your little sermonette there. Uh, you guys are a great team. I love mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that. I mean, the ending of that story sits in this place that we've been sort of campaigning on for a while, the it's okay to not be okay. You know, it's mm -hmm. this lesson of like, wait a minute, it's not an emergency that I'm sad, you know? It's, it's okay that I'm sad because if we have a spectrum of emotion, why are we shying away from one side of that spectrum? Mm -hmm. If we were created with the, the whole spectrum. So if you're allowed to be happy, you're allowed to be sad and you're also allowed to be devastated. You're mm -hmm. allowed to question your life, just like you're allowed to enjoy your life and be, and, and be amazed to be here and be proud to be mm -hmm. here. You're allowed to be sad to be here. And even to say like, you're allowed to question God in those situations, yeah. um, which may sound very heretical to say, but, um, you know, if we really believe that God is as big as he is, then he can handle these questions. Right. And sometimes I think we, instead of going to God and saying, God, why is this happening? I don't understand. We don't wrestle those questions out with God. And so instead we choose to hold it in our heart. And um, that just leads to a place of bitterness. And I found in my own life that those moments where I felt most hopeless when I was yelling at God, um, that that was part of the processing and the healing that needed to happen in my own life for God to come along and say, 
I don't owe you an answer, but I still love you. Um, that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't still in relationship with God, even though that relationship at moments was screaming at God. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have to, we have to breathe, you know, Yeah. we have to breathe, but not just with our lungs, but with like, with our thoughts and our emotions. Right. And so to say it's shameful to be like God, like you're not even here is totally, uh, inaccurate. Right. If, yeah, like you said, if, if God is as infallible and big as we say that he is, he can handle our, our hardest questions, mm -hmm. right. And our lo most lost state, mm -hmm. you know, and the Bible doesn't skirt around those questions. Like, there's so many stories in scripture of people who didn't understand God and were angry at God and asked questions of God, even the disciples that you'd be like, why would you ask that? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, but Jesus with his grace gave them permission and space to be able to work through those questions, even when he was at times infuriated with them. Yeah. And I, I love that sometimes he's even like, they ask him a question and he's like, you think that question's bad? I'll answer your question with a question. There are even yeah. more questions yep. on top here. This is what you should be asking. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. like, questions are not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a cool sort of example. I think it's Jesus when he's praying in the garden before he gets arrested. And he's like, there's this spot where it says like, like Jesus's soul or heart was troubled even to death. Like this moment of like, mm -hmm. like, what do you think? Like, I'm not here to say what that means. Like if Jesus was suicidal or whatever, but what does it mean? You know, that Jesus was so troubled to death. Oh, but he knew he was going to die or like, did he want to die before they could get to him? Or like, how do you, why, why can, yeah, let's, let's ask those questions that probably don't have answers, but can you relate? You know, there's, there's room for a little healthy BS, a little Bible speculation. <laughs> wow, that's not where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> Bible speculation. Not in a way to shame the church or to call it out or anything like that, but are there things that the church is doing that you see that are that are just not helpful in this space uh, that you could uh, help our listeners understand? I think it's good to ask the question that Eric's asking, though. For, oh, yeah. Just for people, even if that's a self-reflection moment of being, oh, I have done that to one of my friends, people I love, and that has hurt them more than it's helped them. I think that is a really healthy conversation to have. Because there's the amount of times I think we've even interviewed people where I'm like, oh, I have totally done that. And yep. I need to repent of that. And I need to learn to be better. Um, something that I think a lot of people are seeing right now with, let's say, mental health and suicide versus the church um, is the notion that you don't need a counselor, you need Jesus or something like that. Uh, that sort of idea of like, you're not sad, you just need to pray more. You know, we see that in health stuff too. Like, oh, just pray it away or whatever. In, in the mental health world, just pray and your anxiety will go away because, you know, you'll take, God will take that yoke from you or something like that. Um, but again, the examples are parallel in the Bible that we need to, we need to express our emotions. Therefore, we should be going to things like counseling and therapy to get those things out. And those are not anti-God. Those are almost more godly because we're expressing our made in his image character in a place where we can do that. And so the falling short of this community of people who claim to love is that they aren't loving. They're just drawing their conclusion as what you should be. 
and saying that's what that's all you need and don't take that medication don't go to counseling just come to church on sunday but then they aren't there for you you know there's there's a bit of a drop and i don't know i'm not naming names but i think we've been seeing that and there is a slow change in this comprehension of mental health in the last five years that's my first topic of idea on that one what do you think mark yeah just to expand on that um when i go and do suicide intervention training um the one that i usually dread the most (laughs) this is the one that i'm trying to promote the most is doing suicide intervention training with churches or with christians the reason why that's often the most difficult is because you have a wide range of perspectives in one room um, where you have one person who um, believes that you know everything is by demonic influence and so you know you need to pray the blood then you have another person that believes um that you know it's all based on like bad theology and that you need to read more scripture Um, and then you have another person that thinks it's entirely biological and you need to take medication and you have all of these people in the same room and they all have a piece of the puzzle in the same way that um, you can go blind by various different means whether it's by you did something stupid or someone did something to you or you were exposed to something over a long period of time. Same thing happens with our mental health. And and I think the temptation is for us, especially in the church, to say it's this one thing. Like, I figured this out, especially if that's your own experience. This is what worked for me, therefore this is what it must be for you. Um, and instead to kind of take a step back and say, okay, let's look at this holistically. Let's work together with the people that God has gifted, even if they don't know who he is, um, to pursue full health. And part of that is talking about spiritual health and spiritual influences on mental health. Um, And so to take a step back and say, how can we work together with the health community for the best for this person? In the same way that we do that if someone has cancer, um, that, you know, we... We pray, maybe we anoint them with oil, have a service, but we also encourage them to go to their doctor and chemotherapy or whatever else, um, is to look at mental health and suicide as a holistic uh, approach. So I guess on the flip side of that, what do you guys believe, you know, the greater lower, lower C church is doing that's actually well and is actually helpful to this conversation and providing empathy? One thing I've seen a lot of recently is an openness and accept, like recognizing that this is a problem. The church has got that. We've realized this is a problem, that it's one in 20 adults, one in 10 teenagers, one in two LGBT youth um, are suicidal. Um, So we're getting it. We're starting to understand that this is a big problem. Um, and that really encourages me. And so like we're seeing when we're speaking at conferences, we're not the only mental health people there. There's other people, um, that are doing lots of other great work. Um, and so I think, I think if we continue to recognize it, but the other thing that I really appreciate is that I'm starting to see stories. Um, the Bible's filled with stories. Jesus told stories and, um, I think that's been one thing that's been really helpful is to hear people's stories of this is what I went through and it was really hard, but God is getting me through it. Um, Those stories, even on the hard issues like feeling suicidal and wanting to die are so important for us to hear so that we recognize this is something that I can talk about in my faith community 
that it's not just the person on the I am second video, but it's this person that's in my church. It's this person on the pastoral staff, um, that it's, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be someone who struggles um, with hope, even though we have the source of hope. Yeah, that's one thing that I've found encouraging about the church that I go to. We, um, we had a person in our church go through a suicidal, um, well, even an attempt uh, of suicide, and um, it, was, it was a wake-up call for us and at our men's retreat we you know talked openly about mental health challenges and went around campfire our church is small enough that we you know have a campfire and uh not in the church at our retreat nice yeah good clarification yeah yeah yeah. and uh was there an acoustic guitar uh, it was there, but not played. Oh, wow. Must not, not have been as, as many young adult singles or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's totally fine. Yeah, but just opening with a question where we talked about, you know, suicidal thoughts and, and it's like, never in my life had I been to a church event where, like, we were able to talk about that openly and hear from different people about where they're at and you know pray with each other and talk about it it's like that openness that that's something brand new Mm -hmm. for me and so yeah i really see that and appreciate that mark i think the confidence is is coming like it's showing itself and at the beginning there let's say the beginning of this wave was like 2010 in in the church needing to accept suicide or even just depression um and the change is starting to happen and we're seeing it in the small group of community because they're they're forcing it to happen because it's like something hap- something major happened now we can't not respond um but i think there are places doing it better than others and if if these words mean anything you have permission to go pursue those places if you are someone who is dealing if you're going to church and you really are asking god to be relevant in your sadness and you feel like there's a restriction in the in the place that you're attending in that community that you're going to you have permission to go elsewhere and to seek that out in other community so other church example other churches other small groups or something like that and I, I floated around for like three years trying to find a church that i could resonate with and, and just like spiritually and there wasn't like oh you know ego or self-preaching or self-promotion or whatever, and it really was this pursuit of authenticity or, or declaring authenticity of the gospel on a Sunday, right? So that for me softened my disapproval of the North American church and brought me back to a place of acceptance through this journey in my own sadness with Jesus, if that made any sense at all. Um, so yeah, you're allowed to search, right? You're, you're on a journey, so go on it. Why is it, doesn't have to be the church that you grew up in or whatever. You can go and find yourself. Wow. Wow. But I, I want to ask one more question and, and then we'll wrap. Um, so in another podcast that we have uh, called Approach, we uh, talk to people who um, are really processing and journeying through inflection points in their faith. Uh, where something happens and through that they process their faith in a very different way. Some people, uh, they come to reject their faith. Some people 
deconstruct and it changes and they come out the other end different but uh, still would identify as Christian um, and kind of a spectrum in the middle and uh, a theme that we have really heard I think uh, is that in the place of darkness uh, it's just quiet that God doesn't seem to answer my questions like where'd you go like I had this intimate thing and then all of a sudden it's like quiet and uh, I'm kind of sensing that flavor as we've been talking today Um, and I this is a random question so whether it will stay in or not I don't know I'm just gonna give it a shot where does God go and uh, like how do you how do you help someone who's just experiencing the, the shocking loudness of the still quiet uh, for the first time? Hmm. Wow. I remember uh, in 2010, uh, this is the year I was most suicidal. Um, I'd just gone through a really uh, difficult experience in my life and uh, I was really struggling with being at my church. Um, it angered me to see people raising their hands and praising God because I felt he had abandoned me and that he was quiet, that he wasn't speaking to me. He wasn't giving me the answers that I wanted. Uh, and it, it angered me a lot. I felt abandoned by God that in the moment where I felt like, God, I'm, I'm ready to die. This is the moment you're supposed to do something. And then he didn't. Um, I remember just being really angry and bitter about that with God. And I had a friend come down. Um, he was in Bible college on the other side of the province. And he came down uh, and spent some time with me and just kind of wept in my living room with me. And we were sitting in a Tim Hortons and just talking about everything that happened. And I said to him, don't quote scripture at me. I know the verses and I don't believe them right now. And he looked at me and he said, I know you know those verses, but I want you to know that I'm here for you, even though I don't have answers for you. And I love you. And I know God loves you. And it took me another eight months to realize the truth of that statement took me another eight months of wrestling through and kind of pulling away from God and from my church and people drawing me back in and forcing me to come alongside in community um, to a point where I was exhausted with God and just gave up. And then God healed me of my bitterness and my loneliness in that space. And I realized in that moment that that was true. And I don't know where God goes in those moments, but I know that God doesn't abandon us in those moments. And I think in those moments, he speaks quietly through other people and he calls other people to step in, in love and to show the love of God in a real and tangible way, because it wasn't something that a simple answer would have fixed. Um, If God had just touched my heart and cured my heart, it wouldn't have required me to work through the issues in relationship with God. 
And I think in those moments where sometimes we're like, God, why don't you just fix this situation? Um, that God in his wisdom realizes if I did that, you wouldn't walk through this journey with me and it's going to be hard and it's going to be painful and it's going to be difficult. Um, but I want to do this because I want you to know that the depth of my love even goes into those places of pain and rejection and disappointment. Yeah, it's kind of like he's developing like this direct yearning for him when mm -hmm. you call out to him and he's not there. Mm -hmm. And that is almost like a more intimate space to be in, which is far more valuable for the f future of yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that was beautiful, Mark. I have nothing more to say to that. How do you end on that? I could tell a story. So, there, okay, so uh, have you heard of Mother Teresa? No, never. You haven't, okay. Of Calcutta. Of Mother course. Teresa, the, the mother, yes. So she, what was it called? She ran the orphanage of, or for orphanage of the desolate and dying, something like that. It was called anyway. I believe that's pretty close. Super close, um, probably. And what she would do is, you know, she started just going out on the streets of Calcutta and finding young babies who had been abandoned by people who didn't want them. And she would bring them up. She would grab them, pick them up and take them to the orphanage where they had a bed, but the bed was just like a blanket on the floor. And there were 60, 70, 100 other young people there who were in need. And they were in a space where, yeah, they, no one was loving them. They didn't know it because they were babies. And Mother Teresa was intentionally loving them. And there was this one room in the orphanage where it was the room that we knew that they knew that the young person was going to die, was going to pass away. And they would go and hang out with them and until eventually the end of their life came and they would be, they would be gone. And what you had to do as a worker there, you had to pick up this young person's body and carry them to the morgue in the basement. And as you carried them there, um, it said on the, on the wall, I'm on my way to heaven. And as you put them in the morgue space and turned around, it said, thank you for helping me get there. In, completely heart-wrenching and, and real. And I think about this and like who else was loving them but these people in the name of Jesus, they were doing it. And to kind of sum up what I think Hashtag Hope has been doing in this space of suicide prevention is, is we're intentionally going out and trying to find young people who are already considering themselves dead. And we're picking them up and we're trying to carry them to the foot of the cross so that Jesus can show them that life, that the life they've been given or the life that they maybe regretfully have been given is incredibly worth living. And I see ourselves as the people who are just picking up these young babies off the street and getting them to a place of new life. And so, yeah, that's my story about what I think we're up to in the space of suicide prevention in the name of Jesus. Wild. On Undiscussed, we like to give our guests the final word. Um, there are two of you, so feel free to both give a final word. Oh, I was gonna say they have to, one. Oh, only one? Like, Eric is like drawing fight to the death or something. I, I, I don't know. Like arm wrestle, paper, rock, scissors. <laughs> they actually did do paper, scissors. I guess I'm taking Mark's it. up. Final word from Mark. Here we go. What do you got? The one thing I want people to get out of all of this is to learn to be a good listener. 
Um, God is a very good listener. And uh, just by learning how to listen and live in that space um, allows us to provide hope to people so that they know that they are no longer alone. Wow. Thank you so much, guys. I feel very privileged to have you guys here. Um, It's personal to me. And so I appreciate you guys speaking into this space. So where can people find hashtag hope on social media or Facebook? I'm going to guess hashtag hope <laughs> you the, never word. Know. the word so is People it just like, the word your, hashtag yeah hope? you have to do the word of hashtag not the symbol the pound sign People are like, oh, you, I just use that hashtag and I'm helping you out. I'm like, no, there's like things like 12 million deep right now. Yeah, we're seriously. not in there anymore. <laughs> wow. So the word hashtag the word hope dot ca or at hashtag hope ca on every social media. Just the word hashtag and the word hope in Google and you'll find mm-hmm. whatever. Well, I'm so you'll glad you guys have been here. Us. I, yeah, I yeah, feel, thanks for having us. I feel privileged every time we have guests in and they tell us about their story because, um, you know, stories are important. Like, like you said, Mark, mm-hmm. stories are really important to hear what people are doing and how, um, we can be showing the love of Jesus to others. And so thanks for being here guys. And, uh, thank you to our listeners. We'll catch you next time on mm-hmm. Undiscussed.